You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of News Talk 770. Welcome back to The Strong Room. On the program today, we're highlighting the reasons why good estate planning is really about life planning. To begin this segment, Trust and Estate Planning Specialist Sherry McMillan talks about the need for wise planning when family relationships cross borders. She's in conversation with Peter Watts of News Talk 770. It's becoming very common and it's a wonderful opportunity if you're a retiree and your children live south and then you have a privilege to escape winter and go and have a visit. So, you know, many families do have the delight of having their children uh, become educated in the United States and often stay and sometimes marry and have their own family units in the United States. But what that does then is it does create a difference for those types of families in their estate plan and life plan than it would a traditional local family just living in Canada with all their children in the same country. Tax would be one thing. Tax is certainly something that is very different because in Canada, as you know, we don't have the same determination when it comes to taxes in our estate. Although we do pay some tax when we transfer our wealth from one generation to the next. Unlike the United States, they're very cruel and quite penalizing in the fact that they can take upwards of 40 to 45% of our estate and transfer it to the government before our children ever lay hands on it. So when our children become resident of the United States, we actually have the need to plan in a very different manner than we would if our family unit remained in one facility, such as Alberta or BC. So what we are finding is often, even if your child still remains a Canadian citizen, And that's very common that your child will be the Canadian citizen going to university down south and then finds employment, but they marry an American person and the grandbabies are born American. Now you have the same dilemma too in the next generation. And so one of the wonderful blessings that we have, of course, is that America's a bit ahead of us when it comes to avoiding estate tax. And so they've done some practicum, Peter. And for the last couple hundred years, they have used trust planning, which we mirror and copy and then assist those Canadian families that have these U.S. issues so that we at least eliminate and minimize as much of that U.S. estate tax as we possibly can. So we keep that Canadian wealth with that Canadian family. I mean, we have to be very cognizant of all the rules because every jurisdiction has their own form of tax, but they also have their own form of legislation of what is tax. So, for example, California is more punitive than, let's say, uh, Florida is. And so if you understand the rules, then you can play Monopoly a little differently in each jurisdiction. But the core thing to understand is two twofold. The first thing is anytime you have a family member that's living in the United States, just don't assume that you can build a traditional Canadian estate plan. Really, probably if you do your homework, you're going to find out you do need a very thorough U.S. version of your estate plan. And then the second trigger is not only do you have a U.S. uh, or a family member living in the United States, is if you own any assets in the United States, you automatically have a U.S. estate. And so this is very, very common, thankfully, uh, of many Canadians that are snowboarding. They go down and they have a property south and they enjoy their winters there. But what that does is it takes them offside for having a purely Canadian estate when we look at their estate plan. And now they have to integrate a U.S. estate plan into the whole picture so they're not missing pieces of the puzzle. And the saddest thing we see, Peter, is a not 
a lack of understanding, I suppose, between a husband and a wife because they think, well, you know, we're married and so our estate should just transfer to each other because that does happen in Canada. But because you're not an American person, it just doesn't automatically happen that way from a tax point of view. And so you might have this fabulous million dollar California property, but it's not a given, it's just gonna transfer to the next spouse. And so if you have to pay tax on it, are you gonna be able to preserve it for your retirement years? So understanding what the rules are so that you can build around them is really, really crucial, especially in the United States. What happens when a a couple is multinational, like the husband is from Canada and the wife is from the States or vice versa? You probably run into that in your daily business as well. We call those our UN families, actually, Peter. And we we do make a little joke and pun about it, but it is very helpful to have a Canadian member of a family because there's some tax techniques that we can optimize by having the U.S. party donate their wealth predominantly to the Canadian party or use the U.S. party's wealth for retirement and diminish the size of their side of the estate so that it's the Canadian side of the estate that's building up to wealth transfer to the next generation. Now, by doing this, what we can do is we can actually eliminate the U.S. estate tax. But we have to be very careful because if you think about doing it that way, and you were to use a traditional will to transfer the Canadian person's wealth back to the U.S. party if they died, we'd have a whole problem all over again. So we have a way around that, and there's a special trust we can use out of the United States called a Qualified Domestic Trust. It's specifically designed for the U.S. spouse, so they never really hold legally the wealth that the Canadian family member has. That way, when they pass, that wealth can remain intact for those Canadian children. And so we are so very fortunate if we're proactive because we can hold on to our estates. Unfortunately, if we try and do this in reaction after we've lost one of the parties in the family, um, the IRS and the Canada Revenue Agency are not generous to us and let us reciprocally go back in time and fix our estate. We have to be proactive. You said something a couple of minutes ago that I want to pick up on, and that is that you sometimes have occasion to work with U.S. immigration lawyers, U.S. tax lawyers, and people like that. It is not limited to the United States. You are part of an international fraternity of estate planners, and you have access to experts in a whole bunch of fields all over the world. And that's one of the criteria that I think someone should use when they're saying to themselves, do I need an estate plan and who should put this together for me? That's right, Peter. My suggestion for all families is the credential you're really striving to have your planner have is called a trust and estate practitioner. It's called a TEP. It's an internationally recognized designation. It means they have at least 10 years practicum. So they've stayed current. They've really specialized in the area of estate planning, but they'll also be humble enough and I think that's the major criteria of all professionals, humble enough to know what they don't know, which is often a lot. We have to reach to each other in every jurisdiction to find out what the rules are so that we can comprehensively design a plan that never harms a family. So many families have, for example, a a British background. Well, if they still have... uh, ties to a property over in Britain, then they have a British estate. Other people have um, different kinds of passports. Well, that could potentially have a bearing. Um, Many times our children are living abroad. We've bought assets abroad. And it can be something as trivial, or it sounds trivial, as stocks in other countries. All of a sudden, we have another estate. So understanding that these kinds of complexities are 
are unfolding in our modern families would denote to me that we want a specialist. We don't want a generalist. We truly want to trust an estate practitioner overseeing the comprehensive plan so things are not overlooked and missed. And then we end up with a giant tax burden that wasn't necessary. And Sherry McMillan concludes today's program by noting that the number one misconception about estate planning is that a will is good enough. People will come into our office frequently and say, I wrote a will, and if they were fortunate enough to write it in the last decade, that's really modern. Um, But what they don't understand about a will is most of us, if we have a seven-figure estate, we've outgrown a will. Uh, We have assets that are much more complex than what a will could wrap around. And in addition, uh, we have more complex family dynamics often to wrap around, things like blended family, things like illness, addiction. I mean, there's all kinds of things that we truly face as families. So what I always say to a family, the first thing to understand about a will is a will is a very historical mechanism to transfer your wealth. It's a public way to transfer assets to family through the court system. Now, if you don't want to do it that way, there are alternatives. And the second thing to know about this is it is not a tax plan. And so many people think, well, a lawyer drafted it, so it must have some validity. Well, a lawyer, as wonderful as they all are, is not an accountant. And so what does happen often is just the legal attachment of where the assets will go. The distribution of those assets is thought through, but certainly not a tax plan. And so, unfortunately, many people are left with their hand in the cookie jar when it comes to the CRA or IRS um, and are paying undue taxes that just with good planning they could have mitigated. And so, I always encourage families, first, we build your tax plan. And then secondarily, we build the legal plan to support the tax plan. And often a will is not actually the mechanism that we end up selecting because of the tax plan and the need for the family to have their wishes met in a very private, succinct way. And also, they don't want challenge because there's a very different definition of fair and equal in an estate. So, you know, if you have a a child that's always been in the family business, you may give them a higher proportion of that wealth than you made the child that wasn't part of that family business, but you don't want that necessarily publicized or public. And so if you want your wishes met, then a will is not going to assure you of that because wills can be challenged in in every jurisdiction for different reasons. So if your child doesn't live in Alberta, but lives in BC, for example, they could challenge under fairness because they weren't treated in an equal manner. So, you know, you have to understand these dilemmas of what a will's limitation is. And so very, very commonly a will is very good for a very tiny estate, very few assets that you're transferring. But if you have any kind of wealth whatsoever, you truly need a life plan to transfer that wealth properly. Our thanks to Sherry McMillan for sharing the wisdom of her experience with us on the program today. For over 20 years, Sherry has been helping families build powerful estate plans. To learn more about the McMillan Estate Planning Approach, we welcome you to visit our website, macmillanestate.com. This is The Strong Room.